0: against the forces of evil which is a constant feature of the life of faith so if you claim a life of faith this will be a constant part of it it's just, it's, we've signed up for battle scripture locates the origins of spiritual warfare in the rebellion of Satan and his angels against God and affirms the hope of God's final victory over such forces through Jesus Christ's death and resurrection, praise God you know, we're not the ones that have to lead the charge. Jesus did it, and He won it. Now it's up to us to just continue to carry that banner, all right, and to do it well. You know, there, obviously, um, as I as I talk about spiritual warfare, this this book here is uh, I see it through the lens of my uh, my season as a, as a warrior for the, the United States Air Force. I, I just see so much of it from Genesis all the way through to Revelation. I just see that picture. And I have written a number of books. I've got about 20 books out now, and I can't help, I can't pull myself, I can't disengage from that perspective of warfare. Um, every one of them, the central theme of it is, is spiritual warfare. And and we're going to talk about why I feel that's so important. And, of course, in Ephesians six twelve. and let me just read that for you, there's just this, this fantastic image um, that is repeated, afterwards and it was um and predicted beforehand ephesians six twelve says here finally my brethren be strong in the lord you know what that means that means you get to choose you can choose to be strong it's not something you're just born or work into it's a choice be strong in the lord and in the power of his might not yours his might Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. All of these things you can't see. We get so occupied with our next vacation, or it's impacting our futures. And so, um, and then it goes on, therefore, all right, he's, he's painted this quick picture. Boom, man, what a master of words here. Um, therefore, take on the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. Folks, I think we live in an evil day. And having done all, he, tell, he tells you again, to stand. When you go to battle, the worst thing that can happen for, for you is to fall down and to be on your back. Death comes quickly. It's all about standing and having that stance of readiness. Being ready with your feet solidly planted. With a decision to be courageous. And to have on that armor ready to take on the battle. I mean, that's just a dramatic picture. If you really read that through, it's just, wow, this is incredible. And that reaches forth 2,000 years into the future to you and me today. You You and I today have to do this. Or we will not stand. And um, we're going to talk a little bit about what it means. What is at risk if we don't understand this. And you don't have to look very far to know the impact that this is having on families and marriages across the country, across the world. Now, I'm going to also say that... um, Being human on this planet is hard. <laughs> um, nobody gets out alive. You've heard that, but in the the journey from birth to death is is, is challenging. And I understand that. Um, you know, we Andrew and I had six children, and you know, you you can look at a, a snapshot of a family and think, "Oh, look, they got it all together. It's all perfect." That's not true. <laughs> Life gets messy, and it gets hard. And there's there's struggles and our emotions get in the way, and the enemy has his fiery darts that he fires in. Sometimes right into the center of our homes and hits one of our kids or hits one of us, and and destruction and chaos can occur. And and that's when you have just got to hang on to, to the Lord Jesus Christ, all right? Because he has already won that battle. But I, I also understand. I I share this because I, I'm we're going to talk about a lot of different things that are facing the uh, families today, and I know. That there's a lot of hurt out there. All right, no matter who I've talked to, I've been talking for for 20 years. Um, <laughs> it doesn't matter where I go or what what the audience is. There's a lot of pain, and I just want you to know I understand that. We have experienced it. We are experiencing it. All right, and that's why you've got to keep your eyes on Jesus Christ, the author and the and and, and the the victor of of our of our futures. Okay, so um, if I say some things, please please know that it's. It's coming from a heart of 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 passion for for you to to breathe this in, learn from it, and then go back and and be ready to get get into the fray. Okay, we've been in the fray. I guarantee you, don't raise six kids in modern day's world without having a lot of a lot of struggles, a lot of pain, a lot of things that go sideways on you. And you, you know what, God, why didn't you know? Um, so just know that we've been there. We've been in the trenches with you, and and in, in, and still are. So. Um, all right so all right let's talk uh let's let's move on here a little bit um, well, it worked earlier. Can you help me Luke just advance at one so the war for the family is it real and and uh absolutely it is real um When we talk about spiritual warfare for the family, the battles are against individuals. The battles that will come are against marriages, against families and children. They're against churches. They're against communities. And they're against nations. And boy, can we see that today. Uh, There are many different fronts on which these battles are waged. They're they're waged on the political front. And here, just a couple days after an election, we can see that. Um... They're they're waged on the educational front, which wars, uh, those wars, those fronts are for the minds of our children, our next generation. They're waged on the social fronts, economic fronts, psychological, um, and emotional fronts, and even on the physical front. Even our physical bodies can often be subject to this unseen spiritual battle that's going on. Um, And, you know, as I was thinking about spiritual warfare for families, I realized that there is something on... That, that humanity has experienced that is very similar to spiritual warfare as described in the Bible um, in a temporal plane. And you know what it is? I, I realize that it's actually a lot like terrorism. Because terrorism um, is, it, it occurs in a, in a way where the enemy is almost invisible. You don't even know who they are or where they are Or what's going to happen? Um, The enemy, without you knowing it, just like terrorists, study to find out where you're weak. And you don't know that you're being studied. And we know that's happening in the spiritual world. The enemy will attack you when you least expect it. That's when a terrorist is most successful. When nobody around is expecting them to strike. Terrorists will strike. Will strike not only a nation's soldiers, but really their target is this, the the um, the uh, the weak and the defenseless. Because what is a terrorist's goal? To strike fear into the heart of a nation. Their goal is destruction and fear and chaos. Does that sound like a spiritual battle, a spiritual warfare? Does it sound like the agents of the enemy of this world. Their goal is fear and destruction. Um, could you put the next slide for me? You, Is anybody old enough to remember this when it happened? <laughs> uh, September 11th, 2001. Uh, I I know exactly where I was at when I heard it. I drove to the nearest radio shack. I was on my way to work, which was only seven minutes, but I turned on the radio and it's, what is this? And I I stopped off and went into a radio shack and there they had a big screen they had this picture and i was like what is happening um terrorism had hit the united states like had never like we'd never experienced before and and as this was unfolding before me and we we heard about other planes and when is it going to stop how far will this go how many people will die Obviously, they had studied us silently when nobody knew where they were. It was just like, it was just like a spiritual battle, a spiritual attack on us and I remember thinking what 's next? If they can do this, what could they do to a stadium of eighty thousand people where, where would it stop and I got afraid it had worked. it had struck fear into my heart, and I thought. My goodness, if we're this vulnerable, what's next? How many people in the world hate us as Americans? And I waited. I waited a week for the next one. And I waited a month. And I waited two months. I waited six months. And nothing happened. Do you know why I think nothing happened? Because shortly after this, like just a few days afterwards, President Bush got on and said, I declare war on terror. He didn't just hunker down and, you know, put band-aids on this. He said, we are taking the battle to the terrorists. We will hunt them down on all corners of this planet and take them out. And I thought, wow, that is bold. And they put, President Bush put the forces of the United States of America behind those words and took the battle to the terrorists. Wow. We didn't have to live in fear. We needed to put on our armor and go get after it. Guys, as Christians, as believers, when the terrorists strike, when the spiritual warriors hit us, we need not to shrink back from this. We need to put on our armor and get into the battle. We need to declare war on the enemies of God. (laughs) Jesus did it first. He did it first, and he did it on the cross. And it says he made a public show of his victory. And that's, that's our call. And he didn't say, okay, just hunker down, go back into your corners, and just try not to get too damaged, try not to get too wounded. He said, no, 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 no. You go into the world, into all people in all nations, declaring the gospel of Jesus Christ. And you are going to face all kinds of trials and tribulations and persecution for my name's sake. But where you go, I will be there. The king of kings, the creator of this universe. So let us not shrink back. Let us stand boldly. Let us stand boldly and take this to the enemy. On that day, 2,977 people died. In the years afterwards, as I monitored what else was going to happen to America for terrorist attack, there were seven more terrorist attacks, nothing to this scale. Where 93 people died. Was President Bush successful? I believe absolutely yes. Absolutely he was successful. And today we live in a safer world from terrorists than the day before this happened. And it's not perfect. But that declaration. That declaration made a big difference in our future as a country. God has declared war on Satan and has been successful through the blood of the Lamb. But here's the question. Are we individually going to be successful? That, those battles come down to you and me. And I think that in many cases, we, like I said, we don't have to look very far to see that, that that warfare is actually taking a lot of our brothers and sisters in Christ out. Right? Um, why? And I think in Isaiah 31, 1-3, through it says, Woe unto you that go down to Egypt for help. Basically, it's a picture of, you know, God's people going to the world for help against the enemies. Oftentimes we go to the wrong places for help when we face spiritual battle. We go to the wrong places. John sixteen twenty four says, until now you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. We're just talking about joy this morning. It's all about joy. Even though spiritual warfare is heavy, guys, we need to walk around with the joy of the Lord. That's what the world is desperate for. They're desperate for joy. They're desperate for hope. They see their, their lives in chaos and in ruin as they, as they satisfy the desires of the flesh. And they see the chaos that results from that. They need, some, they need a different answer. They need the joy of the Lord. And you and I are the ambassadors to present that joy to this lost and dying world. But we have to do it with one eye on the enemy and knowing exactly what his, what his tactics are, right? And the other eye on Christ, right? Knowing who's the author of our victory. Um, okay. So I, I personally, as I've analyzed this in, in the years of raising my children, I, I remember waking up one morning, um, Saturday morning. I wake up because I hear... You know the chaos. Those little kids—they don't care if it's Saturday night or Saturday or not, right? They're not sleeping in. <laughs> and so I, I hear the pitter-patter of the feet, and maybe a, maybe some laughter, and maybe some fighting. And and I woke up one morning after our six children children were were had come to visit us for eighteen years each. <laughs> and I I thought, man, my actions as the spiritual leader of this home. Will absolutely determine the future of each of these kids, and I was—I'm not a fearful guy. I, I can fly upside down, a few hundred feet off the ground, crossing a mountain pass, and not be afraid. But that morning, I got scared <laughs> because their futures were dependent upon my actions and whether or not I was going to be obedient to God and my and my call to be a godly man for my family, and it frightened me. Um and I realized I need to take this to heart and I'd better be serious and I'd better do it right. And so um I, I've come to the conclusion that, that we have a training dilemma in our homes as believers. Um I think it's our number one problem. I spent nine eight, nine years in the in the Air Force. Um and two different careers. Um, the military spent a lot of money training me. I, they say that an F-16 pilot at, on that day it would cost a million dollars to train. And that didn't include all the training before when I was a tactical communications officer. And so, I mean, a lot of money was, was put into training. But the truth of it is, do you know how much combat I saw? Zero. I missed Desert Storm by like three days. That's a whole other story. But I actually never... Had bullets flung at me. Right? I never had to worry about bombs getting dropped on me. All of that money into training, and I didn't spend one day in combat. The, the United States military spends 99% of its resources training its people. Less than 1% of those people ever actually see combat. Isn't that remarkable? You might think, wow, what a waste. It's not. It's why we were the best in the world. That's why when there's trouble in the world, the United States soldiers are the first on the ground and they get in there and they take care of business. Folks, I think that we as believers in Christ spend 99% of our time fighting spiritual battles and less than 1% actually training for it. No wonder we're in trouble. We're not ready. Our kids aren't ready. When they leave your home at 18... They should have had eighteen years of spiritual training ready to take on the wiles of the enemy, but that 's not what 's happening i was I was driving home from work one day and I heard Dr. Dobson say that they did some research and they discovered that eighty percent of young people raised in evangelical Christian homes will leave their faith never to return eighty percent and i thought my goodness lord that's 5 of my 6 children lost to the world god forbid how do you stop the bleeding and i thought there is no military organization that could sustain that kind of sustain that kind of attrition there is no company that can take that there is no there's nobody can take an 80% loss is it any wonder what is happening to the moral fabric of America when 80% of our Christian young people are leaving their faith never to return. And I heard that statistic again from a different organization. And I came home and I said, Honey, I've heard this again. This just can't be true. And we thought, well, I'll tell you what. We've been in our church for for 18 years. Let's just do our own little non-scientific study. We've seen youth come through our church for 18 years. Let's just kind of... Do a little evaluation. It's not going to be perfect. And see where the youth, where they had land. And we started, and I think we ended up going through about 40 kids that had come through. And you know what? We we finished that up with our mouths hanging open. Over 70% of them had completely walked away from God. And this was a Bible-believing Baptist church. I had served as a youth pastor. My best friend served as a a youth pastor, but as a youth leader. My best friend served as a youth leader. We poured all of our passion into it, and 70% of them went the way of the world. It's real. It's actually happening. It's happening right now today in our Christian families and in our churches. Guys, we have got to stop the bleeding. We're not gonna. We're we're not gonna make a difference in this world, and I think that it has everything to do, everything to do, with the kind of training. Um, next slide, please. Look, you must train your children for the reality of the spiritual battles that they are going to face. It said right in Ephesians, we don't war against flesh and blood. When you're, you're, your son and daughter, your son and son, your son in law and your daughter are having a fight and things are going bad and, it's, and they're about ready to get divorced, they're not fighting each other. They're not fighting the draw of, of peers. They're fighting Satan, the enemy of God. It is a spiritual battle and the enemy is doing everything he can to destroy them. When a child goes sideways in rebellion, you don't fight your child. The child's not fighting you, you're fighting the enemy of God. It is a spiritual battle. You don't win those battles with temporal fixes. You win them with spiritual fixes. You don't go to Egypt to, to fix those things. You go to the author of, and the creator of the universe. And so we have to give our kids a, a spiritual mindset of the spiritual battle that they're going to engage in full force when they walk outside your home and i tell young people i often i got a chance to speak to a number of different youth groups and say like, guys you need to understand something when you're raised in a christian home you've got this this umbrella of spiritual protection that your parents are have over you but the moment you step outside that the enemy is just waiting for you it is no longer there it's it's you and him all right and there's no buffer all right you better be ready You better have your armor on and you better have your sword in place and you better be standing. (laughs) You better be standing and not laying down, okay? Because he's coming. And that's not something to be afraid of. You know, Uh, and I'll talk about this in the men's group a little bit too. So, um, I'm getting a little bit off track here. Next slide, please. And I know I'm running out of time. You know, when when you talk about spiritual battle, spiritual warfare, there are combatants and there are non-combatants. Do you realize that? You know, think about... Think about when Nazi Germany went into to, to Poland or France, right? Um, you know, there were, there, were, there were combatants and there were non-combatants, right? And the non-combatants, they oftentimes, you know, they don't, they don't want this happening, right? In fact, can you imagine a, a, a guy in France, a, you know, maybe a baker, he's like, oh, here comes the Nazis. Well, I'm just going to pretend this isn't going to involve me. I'm just going to do my thing, right? <laughs> didn't happen that way. And here's the thing, whether they understand it or not, Right? They are in war. Every single human being on this planet is in a spiritual battle. Every single one of us. You don't get to choose it. It was chosen for us when the enemy rebelled against God thousands of years ago. Right? You can't just ignore it. And so, um, you and I, as believers in Christ, understanding this, right, we have an obligation. Do you know why? Because we're the combatants. Why are there combatants in, in battle? They are there to protect the noncombatants. Our United States military forces are in place so that you and I in our civilian lives are protected. That's why they do what they do. They're the ones that carry the M16s and the fly the fighters, right? They're the SEAL teams that go to the remote places of the world. They're doing it so you and I can live in safety and freedom. Aren't you grateful for them? I sure am here in Veterans Day. It's a perfect, perfect segue, right? (laughs) Um, But the parallel between that and the spiritual combatants and non-combatants is is so similar. And there's so many Christians who are combatants walking around that don't think that they are or don't understand what their obligation and their role in this is. Who are the combatants? There are angels and demons um, the angels are ancient, holy, and powerful. The demons are ancient, ruthless, and powerful. And then there are saints and there are reprobates, as the Bible calls them. Um, the saints are are people that have the Spirit of God dwelling inside them. You've been called into battle. But there are reprobates, as it says in Romans 1, 20 through 32, who are purposefully out to do the work of the enemy of God, who are purposefully out to propel forward the works of Satan. Who are the non-combatants? They are the unsaved, the unaware, and the untrained. Can you imagine if uh, um, there was some skirmish um, over in some corner of the world and you got a phone call one day and the president says, Hey, uh, we need some help um, over in Bolivia. Uh, I need you to to get in a plane and come here and we're going to send you in there. (laughs) Whoa, 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 what? Untrained, right? Unprepared, right? Th- there's, that just would never happen, all right? No, you, you, send, in, you send in the prepared. Um, there are all kinds of ex- examples of this in Scripture, from Noah and the destruction of the world to Jesus' birth, ministry, and death. Um, and there, there's examples of this happening right around us. And ultimately, I think, the real goal of the enemy is to wipe out the children. Before they're born, after they're born, before they reach an age in which they can be effective for God. It is the children. Wow, there's a war being waged for children. What are the tactics of the enemy? The tactics for winning spiritual warfare? Well, first of all, um, there we go. Everybody take a breath. Take breath. <laughs> good, good. Those long faces are smiling. I'll take a breath too, okay, because it gets a little heavy, I understand. Unfortunately, so I picked this, I picked this because these are like Springer Spaniels, and we had a Springer Spaniel, but she died, and even these guys look sad, so. (laughs) Uh, No, anyway, you're laughing and smiling, so it was successful, I'm happy about that. Um, Let's turn the corner now, all right, So, so hopefully... I've I've talked enough to get you convinced that there's actually something called a spiritual war going on, right? And it's it's for the souls of humanity, and, and and there's nothing more precious to God than the soul of a person, right? And there's nothing that an that the enemy wants more than to take that soul to hell with him. Okay, so that's what's at stake. That's the balance that, that's happening here. Um, so. Now what we're going to do is we're going to turn the corner here, and we're going to talk about what can we do, all right? So we understand this is is a thing, right? What are we going to do? What are the tactics for winning spiritual warfare for your family, for the future of your children, your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren, all right? Um, I think this is working now. I don't know why, or it was, or did you do that for me, Luke? Okay, there we go. All right, number one, train your family in the art of spiritual warfare. All right, put on a mindset of training. You know that 99 and 1%? You need to shift that, okay? Get your kids out of the mindset that the whole purpose of their life is to have some sort of social event on a Friday night with friends, okay? It is about raising them up to be spiritual combatants in this battle um, for the world. It is a global battle, and they are called to it. Um, Be victorious in the internal battle so that they can win the external battle. Um, One of the techniques I found helpful for this, first and foremost, when they're ready at age appropriateness, is to help them understand the battle within every single person between the spirit and the flesh. I don't know how many kids have gotten into the teenage years and they have no clue what's going on. You know, they've been raised in the Christian church. They've been taught Bible lessons. And, and really, you almost give them this perspe- perception that, hey, if you guys do it right, you're going to be these shiny little knights in armor and everything's going to be fine. When in reality, you've got this, this fleshy monster inside of them that's vying for control, right? And we have all felt it. <laughs> we need to be honest with our kids and say, guys, this is part of the fall that you're dealing with and you will deal with it until the full resurrection of the body. Okay. I'm so looking forward to that day. Amen. Where no longer my flesh and my spirit are doing this Bible. And there's, I, I do an entire session on this, especially for young people, helping them understand the battle that's going on inside them so that when they fail and fall, they don't think, Oh, I'm not saved anymore. I'm just worthless. You know, no, that's the flesh. They took, they got victory for a moment, all right? Get it back under control, all right? And, and what's happening in the world is because they feel it too, right? The flesh is, well, in order to not fight that battle and to appease it, they just accept the sinful behavior as normal. All right? Well, this is the way I was born, so I can live like this because it's just who I am. Let's just relish in it. No, no, no. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says that your spirit and your flesh are at enmity one with another, and they will be until the resurrection of the body where, the, where Jesus says, I will, I will make your mortal body immortal, All right, and that unrighteous part of you will be righteous forever. Praise God. Boy, I'm looking forward to that day. <laughs> and, and for young people, it's so critical that they get this that they understand that there are two dogs fighting inside them, and the one that they feed is the one that's going to win, all right? And so helping them understand that, get them ready for these battles that are going to happen internally. And if they can be victorious internally, you can be victorious externally for the bigger the bigger battle that's going on. And mom and dad, it starts with us. Um, I have it in my other session. We need to model this, Right. We need to demonstrate it in our own lives. You cannot pass on what you do not have. Okay? Um, number two, know your enemy. Now, I know that we are not supposed to exclusively fixate on on Satan and, and who he is. But the Bible is very clear. The Bible is very clear that we had better be aware of who he is and what his tactics are and what his purposes are. Um, when I was flying F-16s, we had a... Uh, I had a uh, a secret clearance and um, a top secret clearance, and we they had, they had a vault that we would go in and we would pull out the resources that would show us what the tactics of the enemy were, what their planes looked like, what their capabilities were, what their purposes were, and we would study those things. We had to study those. Every week, We had to, you know, they would show silhouettes of enemy aircraft, not even just a black outline. And we had to be able to identify what kind of a, of a plane it was. And as soon as we could identify the plane, immediately it would lock in as, okay, this is their capabilities, this is their armament, this is what their tactics are, this is what they're going to do. Guys, have we done that? I don't know that I've heard... Uh, hardly any sermons at all in my 59 years on what the tactics of the enemy are and how to be ready for them. We need to study that. Know your enemy. Know your enemy so you can be ready. When it comes by, it's like, I recognize that. Get ready because here's what's going to happen, guys. Prepare your family, all right? Get them ready for it. Know your enemy. Um, evaluate your armor. Um, one of the oftentimes, I, I like to imagine myself as a father. Anytime in in our home, w- when I'm walking by my kids, I have this, this spiritual radar on top of my head, scanning them, all right, um, and, and and being ready and and praying. Lord, speak to me through your spirit. About the condition of the spirit of my children. Do you think God will answer that prayer? <laughs> Do you think God wants you to be in tune with the spiritual condition of your children? 100%. We have not because we ask not. Those are the kinds of prayers God is anxious to answer. So if you don't feel like you have spiritual discernment for your children, I guarantee you it's probably because you haven't prayed for it. Pray for it. And I remember we'll be walking. All of a sudden, boom! Something. Okay, something's not right. And You just follow that child right back into her bedroom, honey. What's going on? Oh, nothing, Dad. Nothing. Listen, sweetheart. Something's going on. I can. I can just tell. All right. I've been praying for you, Dad. I'm fine. Just, just go, please. Just leave. <laughs> There's a good sign that you shouldn't leave. <laughs> and I sit down on the bed beside her. And this is a daughter that was just had. You know. You know, just, just don't penetrate that wall, right? It gets uncomfortable. And I just stay there and say, honey, listen. You know, I am your dad. I'm here to help you with anything you're dealing with. All right? Just please, just just let me know what's going on. No, dad, I'm fine. And then one more time. And then all of a sudden, the head drops and the tears come. All right? Don't you give up until you've reached that point. And then transparency opens up. And the problem is revealed. And you take it to the Lord in prayer. And you take Scripture verses against the spiritual attack that's happening on your child. Boy, there's healing that can happen there. And then a head on the shoulder and a hug. (sighs) Had I not been praying that prayer and listening to this, I could have missed that moment, that spiritual moment of giving our child a a, a vision, a a better vision, an eternal perspective on what she's facing. Right. You, You can do that. You can do that. Pray for that. Okay. Um, evaluate your armor and and that's a big part of of what we we're just talking about lord show me where my child is weak um i run out of time here but i've got a lot i could say about that i'll, I'll just share this with you um one time so I, I i would get up with the kids um early and and take them through bible and andrew would be ready getting breakfast ready for us and i would have a we would start out every day with bible and i remember going down and our oldest daughter Brittany was about uh Uh, 17 getting ready to graduate from high school and then she was going to go off to college and go into pharmacy and I remember one morning thinking I wonder if if they're ready I wonder if she's ready and I walked down there and they all had their Bibles out and they're gleaming in their verses you know they're frantically trying to memorize them because they're supposed to recite them and I said guys we're going to do something different this morning. Um, I'm going to ask you a few questions. So put your Bible cards away. And, and, uh, so they sit there and they look at me. This was just with the older three, maybe four kids. And, um, I said, I gotta ask you a question. How do you know, first of all, how, you're reading all these Bible verses. How do you know they're even true? I mean, well, I said, well, cause they're in the Bible. And I said, well, yeah, but men wrote them, right? Yeah. But the Bible says that the Holy Spirit inspired them. I said, what prove the Holy Spirit to me. the Bible says that's circular reasoning you can't prove one by the other how do you know God even exists and every time they gave me their pat Sunday school answer I just drove it in harder and harder and harder until after about 10 minutes the most remarkable thing happened (laughs) my four shining little knights looked up at me with big eyes and they were afraid and finally, Brittany, our oldest, said, Dad, stop. I said, why, Brittany? And she said, you're scaring us. <laughs> I said, I, 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 this, this kind of stunned me. And I said, guys, listen. You know I love Jesus. You know I believe the Bible is true, right? You know I love you. You're sitting in the comfort of our home. And I've thrown a few questions at you, and you're afraid? What do you think is going to happen when an antagonistic, atheistic college professor stands up there with your future in his hands and ridicules you for your faith? How how afraid are you going to be then? I said, listen, let's go back through every question that I asked you, and let's give you solid biblical Scientific, logical answers that you can be ready for. So that when that day comes, because it is going to come, you're ready. Okay? And first, let's talk about when you should and shouldn't defend. Because Jesus has some words on that too. Do not cast your pearls before the swine. (laughs) So let's talk about this. Let's prepare yourselves for these situations. And you know what? (laughs) It's about a year later. Brittany was in her biology class a very critical class for her to press on with her pharmacy program. And a university professor got up there and said, if you have any sort of faith in a God, you don't belong in this classroom. I expect you to just get up and walk out right now because there's no place for God in science. And so our daughter sat there and said, I recognize this. I've been trained for this. (laughs) This is not the first time she, she faced this. And so she sat there quiet and she took her notes and she went through the course and she regurgitated the stuff that they gave her and at the end of the class when it was time for teacher evaluations She went home the day before, and she wrote out everything she was going to write on that form. (laughs) And she came back, and she pulled that out, and she wrote that thing. She wrote down everything. She said, I expected when I took biology class at North North Dakota State University to learn about evolution. I expected to regurgitate that. I expected to, to, to study all of the things that the scientific community in regard to evolution. But I didn't expect for somebody to tell me that I had no business being in this field simply because I believed in God. That is uncalled for. It is unprofessional, and I don't deserve that, and I shouldn't have to pay for it. And now I don't know if that was really the reason, but that professor never taught that class ever again. <laughs> Brittany's uh, dean of pharmacy was a born again Christian, and I think she probably had something to do with that. And so you got—if your children aren't ready for those kind of situations, I call them spiritual emergencies. They're going to crash and burn. But if they've seen it, if they know it, if they've been trained for it, they'll be able to take that fight. That was a spiritual battle that day that she faced. And enemy wanted to take her down. And I don't know how many other kids out there that he did take down. Maybe one of those 80%. I knew one thing. I was going to do my absolute best. I was going to give everything I had to not lose one of my six to the world. Whatever it took, whatever it required, I was all in. And I know that here you are sitting here this morning, Saturday morning, <laughs> giving of your time. It tells me where your heart is at. I know that's your heart. You're one of the, 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 five, the fifth set of parents, right, that understands this. For your children's sake, for your grandchildren's sake, a legacy of, of faith in your family. All right, I'm going to go through the rest of these really quickly. Um, evaluate, remember, embrace the fight. Um, anybody seen Passion of the Christ? Anybody seen that? You don't actually see it, you experience it. <laughs> Andrew and I went there, we bought, I, I foolishly bought a bag of popcorn. <laughs> and and two hours later, the thing was it literally still sitting there. I hadn't moved my hand and not one kernel was eaten. <laughs> I was like, I think we just threw it away. It's like, wow. Um, but there's this scene in there where... Uh, uh, where Jesus is has been beaten and, and, and whipped and he's, he's, they put that rugged cross on his shoulder and the thieves are next to him, right? And, and what does he do? He takes that and he hugs that cross. Remember that scene? He hugs that rugged cross, bleeding and bruised, and the thief says, what are you doing? They're going to kill you with that. But Jesus embraced the cross because he knew what it was going to mean for you and me. He knew that his... His embracing that battle, that sacrifice, was going to determine the future of millions. Guys, sometimes the cross you have to bear is hard. Parenting is a cross to bear. It is hard. It's the hardest thing I've ever done. Even compared to flying 16s, it is the hardest thing I've ever done. And and you just need to embrace this battle. Embrace that it's a spiritual battle. All right? because there's too much at stake not to don't don't fight fighting the fight just fight the fight okay (laughs) um never fight alone uh in in combat we never send people in in by themselves we always flew in ships of two or four or forty you never fight you never fly in by yourself all right, you've got to have somebody with you. All right, you need to have a Jonathan, right? You, you know, Jonathan, David had Jonathan, and Jonathan had David, right? Their souls were knit together. You do battle together, right? And, and the Bible has a lot to say about that, right? Two is better than one. Um, pray, lay down a suppressing cover of prayer. Um, you know, you, you see those movies where, you go, I'll cover you, right? Right, and, you, and they run, right? Man, I don't know how many years I spent I'm being called to talk, and, and we would get to a conference, and the, the the family van was in chaos, right? I mean, there was one conference where we actually moving, we we're, were driving to Denver. I was supposed to talk, and our, our family was just collapsing with every mile that happened. <laughs> and we got so far, and, and it was just like, I can't do this. I can't do this. And I actually turned the van around and was heading home. And I said, I'm just going to have to call them and tell them I can't do this. Andrea and I are fighting. The kids are out of control. This is just not happening. And Andrea, in her wisdom, said, Chuck, just stop. Just stop. Just pull over. All right, let's talk about this. Let's pray about it. And and we took 30 to 45 minutes and got everything under control, realizing... I didn't realize that I was fighting a spiritual battle, right? And here I was going to talk about spiritual war. And then I realized one day... I'm not getting enough prayer support. When I go and talk, there's going to be spiritual battle. The enemy is not going to want me to do this, and is going to attack me where I'm weakest, which is my relationship with my wife or a child or whatever it may be. And so I started, I, I called the strongest prayer warrior I knew, my 90-year-old mother, <laughs> who's like an Arnold Schwarzenegger of prayer warriors, right? And, uh, and, and then I, I called my pastor and my best friends. In fact, I realized that this morning that I hadn't done that. And on the way here, I'm texting my best friend and my pastor at home. Please pray. I'm I'm supposed to go speak, and I realized my mom just died a year ago, and so I didn't have that. I told Andrew just a couple days ago. I feel uncovered. My mom's not praying for us, and and I didn't I didn't replace that. And so this morning, I was like, guys, please pray right now. All right, um, God has called me to speak, and I need some, I need that. And and it's amazing the difference. When you're you're getting ready to do something that you know God has called you to, that's going to make a difference for the gospel of Jesus Christ, get people praying for you, okay? I just can't underestimate, overestimate that enough. Number seven, they overcame the enemy by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, okay? Um, Don't forget, Jesus has won this already. Um, Number eight, never give up, all right? Uh, Never surrender. (laughs) Um, That is a principle from Genesis to Revelation. All right? The enemy doesn't win when you fall down. He wins when you quit. A righteous man falls down seven times and he gets up seven times. You keep getting up. That's what he's most worried about. Too many Christians fall down and think, I can't do this. I'm done. And they quit. They quit on their marriages. They quit on their children. They quit on their churches. Guys, that's when he wins. Don't you quit no matter how hard it is. And and our our special forces guys, those SEALs and those those special ops guys, their training over and over and over again is don't you quit. You think you're at your end, you still got 20% left. Go give that. And when you think that's given, give another 20%. You don't quit. Guys, you keep giving. No matter what you think it's going to cost you. No matter how painful it is. Don't give up on the things that God tells you not to give up on. Okay? Obviously, there's things we should be giving up. <laughs> but the things of God, you don't ever give up. All right? And then, uh, finally, remember who you are in Christ. And we'll finish with this. All right? And all of the intensity of spiritual warfare you have to remember this right here. This is, this is who we are, but this is who we are in Christ, okay? <laughs> um, who are we in Christ? The Bible says, this is what the Bible defines you as, and your children as, The professed faith in Christ. More than conquerors, you are justified by grace. You are not condemned, even though we condemn ourselves you are filled with the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead there's nothing more powerful than that all right you are inseparable from god's love the bible says you are wise you are righteous you are sanctified and you are redeemed the enemy cannot take that from you all right Our, we have mortal bodies that can be enlivened by the spirit of god anybody experience that that's incredible you are anointed you are sealed you are triumphant Uh Uh-oh, too far. Back up. Oh, no, there we go. You are a sweet saver. You are a new creation. You are ambassadors. You are reconciled. You are children of God. You are heirs to the promises of God. You are sons and daughters of God. You have been chosen from the foundation of the earth. You are enlightened, and you are saved. You are temples of the Holy Spirit. You are bold. You've been called with a holy calling. You are strong in grace. You are to reign with Christ. You have been known by God. The Bible says you are perfect. That's your spirit, not your flesh. It says that you are sanctified. You are vessels of honor. You've been delivered from evil works. You are a holy priesthood, a royal priesthood, and you are joint heirs with Christ. You know, if you, have to, if you have to just look at these every morning of your life to remind you who you are, do it. I mean, look in the mirror and say, this is who I am in Christ. No matter what the enemy does to me today, he can't take any of that from me. And I will live and I will take the battle to him. All right? And the Bible says, he will flee from you. <laughs> he will flee from you. All right. Um, ultimately, Jesus Christ is the author of this victory. It says they overcame him, the devil, by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. Your testimony in Jesus Christ is powerful. It can change lives. That's Revelation 12, 11. Um, Okay, so we're going to close up um, this session with that. And I um, really appreciate your your attention here. Um, We've got a number of sessions that we're going to share with you. I think if you've got that outline, you kind of can see what we're going to talk about. Uh, again, very grateful for you to, to come here and, and give us a, a precious part of your, your weekend. And um, Andrea is going to uh, do the gals session up there. I'm going to do the guy's session. We're going to take about a five. I'm, I know I'm a little bit late, but we started late. I heard there's something called um, Alamosa time. Is that true? Uh, thank God. It, it, it coincides perfectly with... Andrea Burwick time too, <laughs> um, and the military that's hard for me, but that's okay. And so we're gonna we're gonna operate like that. Um, uh, my kids are so funny. They're, 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 <laughs> they they were homeschooled. We homeschool our kids, and uh, and they had, so but they they did sports with the Christian school and they did some things with the public school. We kind of did an, an amalgam of different things. We were pretty eclectic in that regard. And, um, their friends at the schools were like, so man, homeschooling, I bet you guys have it easy. You just like get up when you want and school in your pajamas. They were are like, you don't know our dad. <laughs> we get up at 6:30 and we march around the block and, and yeah. And if we don't go fast enough, he makes us do pushups and it's like, it's not, wasn't really that bad, but kind of. <laughs> so anyway, um, let's see. So let's, uh, I, we'll take 10 minutes here and I'm going to run upstairs and help Andrew get set up.